coming up on this episode of Inside the Epicenter. If you're going to have people come work for you and with you, you might want to let them worship their gods, okay. right? That's a type of progress that the Arab Muslim world was yeah. choosing under Sheikh Zayed. His vision was, yeah. we want to be open. We want to be known as the people that are changing the world and open for business. What Gulf country is home to over 700 churches and why? Hi, welcome to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. And today I'm joined here in Jerusalem by Joel Rosenberg. I think I'm joined. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. I'm <laughs> you're, joining you're the Joel. visitor, but we're so, <laughs> I'm so happy to have you and Kim, your wife, here in the studio. Uh, grateful to TBN for hosting us, and uh, this is exciting. Yeah, it sure is. To have great, you Joel. on uh, home turf here. It's uh, wonderful. And what a you beautiful. You literally in the episode. You beautiful. We day. did not say this in the last uh, podcast. How do I don't know what we were thinking. We're all like it seems so normal. Yes, this is the epicenter. This is it. Uh, right here, Israel is the epicenter of the world. <laughs> Jerusalem is the epicenter of Israel, mm-hmm. and that's. Spot right there. Right that there. is the Temple Mount. That is the epicenter of the epicenter of the epicenter. Amen. This is where it all happens. Whew. Wow, we're actually here. And we someday people we need to go film an episode. That's right. If we we can get people, away with it. We right would bring them inside we the epicenter. We so did say we that. And now two years in. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, no. We have. I think we've done a good job. But to do it visually, yeah. to do it in person. Obviously, there's been COVID. It's so thank special. God for the technology that we don't have to be in the same room. But. It's nice to be in the same room. <laughs> nice to be in the same room. Nice to be in the same place. And, yeah. and you know, we're continuing our conversation about uh, the delegation that we had about the Abraham Accords a few weeks ago and through this region and so many other interesting places. So first question we've got to get to is the big question we started with the top of the show. What Gulf Arab country is home to more than 700 freely operating Christian churches? Well, the exciting thing is this is the country of the United Arab Emirates. When I was born in 1967, the United Arab Emirates did not exist. Wow. It did not come into uh, being as a modern Arab nation state until I believe it was 1972 and maybe it was 71. We'll have to check that. We'll put that in the show notes. But the point is, it was a a British protectorate, Mm -hmm. as many British colonies and countries were from India. Here in Israel, of course, Palestine was under the British mandate back in the day. And uh, the United Arab Emirates wasn't united, and it wasn't free. (laughs) But there was a man named Sheikh Zayed. Mm -hmm. He was the emir, which is uh, an Arab term for a king or a governor or a ruler, an emir, of one of the seven emirates, meaning one of the seven provinces. They just called them emirates. An emir is over an emirate. And so there were seven, but the most powerful leader was Sheikh Zayed al-Nayan, and he had the vision for saying, thank you, British. We appreciate it. It wasn't a hostile. It wasn't a revolution. It wasn't the American revolution or or the British or, 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 I mean, uh, India or or Israel. But it was uh, Sheikh Zayed had the vision. Could we have our independence and we will build a real country? And he did it. And uh, it is one of the most technologically advanced, most prosperous, most progressive in the in the sense of real progress i don't want to get in the uh, you know political yeah. point but it just it's an island of arab progress like yeah. you really don't see almost any other country bahrain is smaller but it's definitely moving in that same dynamic right. but the uae is 
pretty exciting, and we'll talk about some of those sure. reasons why. But wow, it's uh, I was so happy. You had not been there yet. I don't I've been or, to or Dubai. I've been, been to Dubai, and, yeah. and we can mention the the major cities of the UAE are right. Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Right, Abu Dhabi uh, the other, capital. Right, and Dubai being the commercial capital. Right, and I'd been to uh, Dubai before, right, right, but right. but never with a delegation like we were on. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. that was uh, once in a lifetime kind of experience. Well, I hope, but, maybe not. I was bring well, you back maybe, for others. You know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do it more than once in a lifetime. But but the idea that the UAE, this brand new nation, uh, would be so engaged and progressive to be the first nation to start signing those Abraham Accords. Right, right. What do you take from that? What about the UAE is so special that way? Well, the UAE under its leader, which we'll get into in a moment, but under the previous leaders, under the founder, Sheikh uh, Zayed, and, and now the current leadership, is really trying to brand itself as a totally different Arab country from all the countries you think of. Again, we talked in the previous podcast about Bahrain doing that. And they they are doing that, meaning they're very moderate, they're very tolerant, they're very welcoming, uh, they're friendly, religious freedom. But the UAE, because it's bigger and it's more prosperous, has gone further out and faster. Uh, for example, just a few things. Uh, it's the United Arab Emirates that is the first Arab country in history to send a spaceship to the moon. Mm. It's the first Arab country ever to f- send a spaceship to Mars. It's the first Arab country in the Gulf region ever to invite Pope Francis not only to visit a Roman Catholic pope, but hold a mass for 150,000 people in a stadium. A few months prior to that, the United Arab Emirates became the first Arab country in the Gulf ever to invite an evangelical delegation, the delegation that they invited me to lead in October of 2018. This was two full years before the Abraham Accords. And yet on that very trip, the leader said, when I said, hey, listen, uh, we've been praying for peace in Jerusalem for a long time, and I don't see any Arab leaders willing to make peace. Uh, We're looking who's going to be the next one. And he said, it's going to be me. Wow. And again, we'll talk about that in a moment. But yeah. you think about all those things. UAE is the first Arab country uh, to be sold F-35 state-of-the-art fighter jets. This is You cannot build, uh, you cannot have, you cannot buy, let's put it this way, a more advanced fighter jet stealth fighter right. in the world. In the old days, I mean, it's not that long ago where Americans would be like, I'm sorry, you're going to do what? You're going to sell the most advanced fighter jet on the planet in history to an Arab country, a Muslim country? (laughs) And Israel would have freaked out. If you go back to 1981, 82, President Reagan was offering to sell what was called AWACS planes Mm -hmm. to the Saudis. AWACS were basically uh, like a flying 727-707 with a huge radar dish Mm -hmm. on it. So it it provided the most advanced technology at the time of tracking enemy aircraft, all aircraft, air threats. And the Israelis were like, you got to be kidding me, President Reagan. We love you, (laughs) but you can't sell the most advanced technology to our enemy. So... The fact that Israel not only was not opposed to the sale of the F-35, but encouraged Washington to do it as a reward for the UAE making peace with Israel. Amazing. Just just a few. I go through more detail in enemies and allies, but this is not your grandfather's uh, Oldsmobile. This is not (laughs) the Muslim country that you once thought of as maybe they're hostile. Maybe they are not with us. 
Now, to be fair, the UAE has been much more pro-American than most Americans even realize. Right. But some of these things are now breaking out. And the leadership, to bottom line, is the leadership has decided we want to brand ourselves, right? We have the tallest building in the world, uh, the uh, Burj, uh, Burj Al Khalifa Tower, which is in it's Dubai. Him. Most famous probably to most people in the world because Tom Cruise <laughs> runs around the outside of it in one of the Mission Impossible movies. Right. like. This is just not the way we think of as forbidden kingdoms and yeah. hidden and radical Islam. And you know, that's the way people think of the Middle East. That's not the United Arab Emirates. No, it isn't. And, you know, I'm again brought back to this main question. Over 700 freely operating Christian churches. I mean, Christians are like 13, 14 percent of the population in the UAE, mostly expatriates, as we've said before. But how is it possible that 700 churches can operate there when when Saudi Arabia we've said before doesn't even operate a single not church. a single church is allowed in Saudi Arabia yeah so there's a couple reasons like Bahrain and again if people haven't watched the previous uh, podcast I would really encourage them to watch or to listen you have to watch that last yeah. one because we we take you inside. visually inside yes. the epicenter really great beautiful photography and you really see it come alive in a way that we haven't been able to do in previous podcasts so this is similar, obviously, as you're looking at pictures of, of, of the United Arab Emirates, you're seeing this is a beautiful, advanced, high-tech country. But it also has certain values. And one of the things that's interesting, starting back to Sheikh Zayed, the founder of the, of the modern UAE, is he recognized that what makes the UAE special, similar to Bahrain, but again, larger and therefore more, more robust in doing this, the UAE existed in the past as a trading post. This is, again, one of the places where Western trade would come and then land there and refuel and resupply and get more food and then continue on to, to India, the subcontinent, or go on to the Orient and vice versa. So spices and silks and tigers and, you know, whatever, camels are all flowing through. Arabian Bazaar. Exactly. Yes. Fascinating. And not just crisscrossing the world, but also, again, ports of entry into the Arabian hinterlands, you know, into the Arabian Peninsula. So 90%... Nine zero ninety percent of the people that live in the United Arab Emirates are not Emirati. Interesting. Okay, actually, technically it's eighty nine percent, but you know we'll round off to ninety. So you think about it: only one in ten people that live in the UAE is an actual citizen. Hmm. Everybody else has decided to come there. They've chosen to come there. Why? To work in the oil industry, to work in the hotels, to work in you know restaurants, to work in. Everything, like most, you know, most Emiratis, they get a paycheck because they have oil, and that's nice. But, I mean, there's a lot of great uh, business people who are Emiratis, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying Emiratis don't have to work if they don't want to. But people who come from India, from the Philippines, from Pakistan, from Central Asia, Southeast Asia, and Asia, they come because there's great jobs and a great standard of living compared to what they come from. I think the Emiratis get a benefit because they can pay lower wages than an Emirati would take, mm -hmm. but still be paying much higher wages than you would get if you were in India or you know sure, Philippines or wherever. Mm -hmm. So because of that, that creates a culture that's different, let's say, from Saudi Arabia. Now, Saudi Arabia is changing, but that's not the focus of this podcast. Saudi Arabia has prided itself for 300 years as the forbidden kingdom. Mm. Saudi Arabia is in charge of the two holiest sites, the most sacred sites in Islam, right? Mecca and Medina. Yeah. They don't want Westerners. Yeah. They don't want Christians. They don't want Jews. They have not wanted foreigners. Right. We are Muslims and we are a desert 
Island. Kingdom. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, they actually they call it uh, the Arabian Island, yeah. Al Jazeera. Yes. You stay out. We're right. not interested. Right. But if you're a trading uh, nation on the coasts, and you say, hey, come, please, my friend, Habibi, <laughs> come and buy and sell. And yeah. it's a fishing port. It's a So that created a culture of hospitality, which is very characteristic of the Arab people, but maybe exemplified more by people who this was in their economic interest, not just their culture, to de- demonstrate those values. And if you're going to have people come work for you and with you, you might want to let them worship their gods, yeah. right? Whether they're Christians or Jews or Buddhists or Hindus. And that's what they've done. And that was a real, again, I, I don't want to use American political or even Western European progressivism, but just that's a type of progress that the Arab Muslim world was yeah. choosing under Sheikh Zayed. His vision was yeah. we want to be open and we want to be seen as different. We're not hostile to our neighbors, our brothers and sisters who are Muslims, but we want to be known as the people that are changing the world and, and, and open for business. Yeah. And they, I love that. I no, really I, have loved that. You, well, any I country too. you go to where there's Applebee's and Starbucks and, you know, <laughs> no, I mean, that's a funny way to put it, but it's also like, they're not yeah. blowing up Applebee's. They're, right. they're like, hey, you come here, your family. Or that's, I guess, Olive Garden. I don't know. I don't know. Well, too much well, product placement. I think we still, products, yeah. yes, That's right. Well, it's, it was fascinating. It was amazing. And I want us to come back. We're going to take a quick break right now. But I want us to come back and talk about some of the leaders that we had a chance to meet with there in the UAE. It was truly fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Our verse of the day today is found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 in the New American Standard Bible. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And our prayer requests today are for to pray for the increasing freedom for followers of Jesus to believe and worship in the UAE. And second, to pray for the church in the UAE to have boldness in their witness. Joel, it's such a pleasure to talk about this wonderful country of the UAE where we had the most amazing trip. Tell us about your first visit to the UAE and some of the leaders you met with, and then talk about how we followed up with some of those meetings. So it's interesting. I I describe it in Enemies and Allies as totally unexpected. Like, you know, as we've talked about before, uh, King Abdullah of Jordan had read one of my novels and decided, rather than banning me from the kingdom forever, (laughs) let's invite Joel and Lynn and get to know them because they tried to blow up my palace and assassinate the king. In a novel. In a novel, right. (laughs) And we did that, and that led to a delegation, right, And, and meeting President el-Sisi from Egypt in Washington and him inviting me to bring a delegation. Those were unexpected, but in retrospect, two leaders of two countries that have made peace with Israel, maybe it's not so crazy (laughs) that they might invite an evangelical who is an Israeli to come. It had never happened really before, but at least they already had peace treaties. What made it interesting was the United Arab Emirates ambassador to Washington is a wonderful man, um, Yusuf al-Otaiba. Yusuf is one of the most influential ambassadors in all of Washington, of any country, from any part of the world. And he was watching the coverage of what was happening in of our delegations in Egypt and Jordan and happened to know some people that were involved in inviting us and hosting us and was asking, so what was that all about? 
And he thought, you know, again, fitting in the concept of the branding, the UAE wants to be this country that leans in and says we're doing things differently. So if Jordan and Egypt are hosting, we've never hosted an evangelical leadership delegation in our entire history as a modern country. So he invited me to come and have coffee with him and at the embassy in Washington. And by the time we were done, he had laid out, like, we would love to do this. Are you open to it? Are you interested? I said, absolutely, I'm interested. But again, you know, you guys, you know, I'm an Israeli citizen, and is that an issue? He goes, no, it's not an issue. But you're also an American too, right? And the people you'll be bringing are American evangelical leaders, right? And I said, yes, that is that is the case. Now, if we had that conversation today, yeah. he wouldn't have had any issue. He didn't then, by the right, way, right. that I was Israeli. But they were baby stepping forward, right? So they wanted this to be an evangelical delegation from the United States. And why? Because they realized that there are 60 million evangelicals in the United States. And if they're going to try to persuade the American people, not just the president of the United States, the secretary of state, secretary of defense, Congress, but the people of a continent, you know, 330 million people, (laughs) how do you persuade? How do you educate an entire continent of people to say, we're not the Arab Muslims that you think of when you see people blowing people up on television. And I think it's, I think those who listen to what we're saying and have been tracking our podcast, you know, no, we don't think of these people as as killers. Okay, but it's amazing, you know, Arab Muslims, suddenly that's a brand in people's minds because of all the wars and terrorism. So they really are working hard. We want to show the American people and the world that we're different. And we want them to see what what do we mean by different? We're not just saying different. Like we're going to the moon, we're going yeah. to Mars, we're you know we're building towers, we're inviting people in, we're welcoming, we're warm, and we have a level of religious freedom. We have seven hundred Christian churches that Amazing. operate freely. I had yeah. no idea. No. Even Ambassador Taiba didn't say that in that meeting. It would have been a good selling point, but I was coming anyway. <laughs> so I, I was like, oh, I got to pray about it. Mm, yes, okay, I, I will. Uh, so I said yes, and so that. We got there in October of 18. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Egypt-Jordan trips were fall of 17. This is now the fall of 18. They'd never done this before, yeah. but they had us meet with most of their senior leadership, including the crown prince, who was the de facto leader of the country because sure. the, the president of the country, of the UAE, uh, had had a, a series of very serious health issues and was basically incapacitated. Mm-hmm. And even just since we yeah. came, uh, even since we had that trip, just days after we left, yeah. just recently in, in April of 2022, that leader did pass That's away. Right. And the leader we met, who was the crown prince at the time, has now been elevated and formally is the president of the whole country and right. the supreme commander of the whole armed forces. At the time, he was the de facto leader, mm-hmm. even though his title was crown prince, Mohammed bin Zayed. Mm-hmm. MBZ. MBZ is how he's affectionately yeah. known. And he yeah. is the son of the founder. So that when the founder passed away 10, 15 years ago, there were a number of rulers that were involved. But MBZ, of course, was was a key and prominent leader. Yeah. But he wasn't the top leader right. because this other person was until he became incapacitated. Yeah. We didn't meet with MBZ on this trip, but we met with several others in the kingdom. Maybe you could tell everyone listening some of the other officials we met. And then I want to tell a very special story about a hospital. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, so a lot of what's happened over the last couple of decades really is a lot about the leadership of MBZ. And uh, all this branding comes from his father, but MBZ really is the one who drove that. 
But he wasn't available to meet with us on this particular trip. We didn't know how ill the president was, so I think he did know, and there were some things going on there. But we did meet with the younger brother of MBZ, yep. and that was ABZ. This is the, another uh, son, a younger son of Sheikh Zayed. So this is Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed. Al Nayan. It's a little bit long yeah, and complicated. It's a long, name. long to put on a check, I guess, but uh, I mean, they, they seem to do well with their checks. Anyway, ABZ, Sheikh Abdullah, is the foreign minister of the country. Mm-hmm. He, with his older brother, the crown prince, are the architects from the UAE side of the Abraham Accords. Right. So amazingly, he, uh, I had met with him in 2018 and we've stayed in touch and he invited us to come and spend 90 minutes with him. Now, I would have loved it, loved it, if our whole delegation could have gone, but he sent the message through the protocol office that, listen, I can only meet with Joel. You bring four others, and I was glad that you were able to be part of it. And again, you just wish that everybody could meet with everybody, but in this case, you go with what the leader says you can do. That was so interesting, because you're meeting with an actual architect of the most transformative Arab-Israeli peace agreement, I would say ever, but certainly in a quarter of a century. Yeah. And this is a man in charge of implementing these agreements. This is a man who was at the White House on September 15th, 2020. I was on the, on the lawn watching, but this is a guy that was standing next to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, yep. next to the Bahraini foreign minister, and next to President Trump. And this is a guy that was signing the agreement amazing. on behalf of the UAE. We're sitting with him. 90 minutes. <laughs> this amazing. is a busy guy. Why, why is he carving out 90 minutes for evangelicals? But it, it speaks to what God is doing, the yeah. doors that he's opening because I think he wants evangelical leaders to have an understanding. Who are these leaders who are so different from the past? And why are they different? What do they believe? Why are they going where they're going? How do they see threats like the Iranian regime threat, the nuclear threat, the terrorist threat? These are, uh, you know, you can read about it in books like mine, but, (laughs) but for most of us, the way we understand something best, of course, if God lets you do it, is to go talk to the person yeah. yourself. And because I get that opportunity, I feel the responsibility, you know, to whom much has been given, much is required. So that's why I wanted to take you and others and media people too, to see as much as we all could mm-hmm. and to report back to our friends and colleagues who aren't getting to go and sit with these leaders. Yeah, it was so remarkable. And I, I wanted to just highlight the one thing that stuck out to that meeting to me was uh, here we were during Ramadan yeah. meeting with this uh, prince of the UAE, this foreign minister, and uh, we had the opportunity to pray with him. Yeah. One of our delegation, yeah. Barbara Larson, made final comments, and then at the end, you asked, Barbara, would you close us in prayer? Mm-hmm. And tell us what ABZ did. Not only did the foreign minister, I mean, of course, I asked him, is this okay? And, and of course, he said, I mean, not, not of course, but I knew it would be of course, because he's prayed with me several other times. Every time I met with him, yeah. we prayed together. And he he took our hands. He, <laughs> he by the way, the, the, the meeting was in a circle. <laughs> so it was just the five of us and him. And so he asked us to all just put our chairs in a circle. And then he takes our hands. You know, Barbara is a wonderful wife of one of our Joshua Fund board members, a businesswoman in her own right, a Bible teacher in her own right, and unveiled, unveiled. You know, even joke a woman. Like, and here's an Emirati sheikh, uh, the son of the founder, the, the younger brother of the leader of the rule of the whole country in 
traditional Emirati clothing, yep. saying, yes, let's bow our heads and pray. Amazing. And she prayed, and it was a beautiful prayer, and as Barbara always prays, you can count on her. <laughs> this again goes back to Paul's admonition. Now, yeah. he usually pray That's for right. kings right. and all those in authority. You rarely get the opportunity to pray with, with. <laughs> while you're holding hands. Like, we're in a different era. Yes. This is not normal. I'm not saying nothing like this has ever yeah. happened in history, but this is happening with greater frequency and depth yeah. and warmth. And I don't know exactly how to communicate it <laughs> effectively. Yeah. In, um, we're doing our best, but it's just not normal. Well, and yet God is doing it. Yeah. And we're going to have to bring more people there. We're going to have to <laughs> just uh, extend more people the opportunity to get a chance to see what God is, is doing here and, and how this openness is changing. Have you tell a very special story from the Kennet Hospital yeah. in the town of Al Ain. Yeah. Uh, we drove out there. We spent two plus hours driving yeah, out to this oh, hospital. And, and maybe you could tell us a little bit of the unique yeah. and powerful story of this hospital. So this hospital was founded by an American medical missionary couple, evangelicals, back in the early 1960s. Yep. They had been spending time, uh, and their last name is Kennedy, no relation to the political family. And again, American evangelical medical missionaries, both husband and wife were doctors. And they just wanted to live in the Middle East and help because there were a lot of major medical problems at the time and very few hospitals, very few clinics. And this is before was, oil. Before money. oil was discovered. Right. So you really didn't see, or at least in the UAE it hadn't yeah. been discovered. Uh, in Bahrain it had. But so they wanted to go and serve in Jordan and, and other places. And they got invited to come into UAE by the request of then we would call him a governor at the time. It wasn't a formal independent country. It was still a British protectorate. Sheikh Zayed, the founder of the country, who becomes the head of it. But he invites these missionaries. Missionaries. That's not a term that Muslims like to use historically. Let's invite American medical missionaries, evangelicals, to come. Why? Because there was about 50% of the women in labor, in pregnancy, were losing their babies, and often they were dying also because there just wasn't proper medical care. Yeah. So they arrive, and the, the Kennedy family and uh, parents, and they understand the situation, and basically they say, we would be honored to help, and let me just make this short. Again, it's in the book, but the short version was they were like, listen, we, we would even stay. We would open up a clinic um, if you would give us permission to open up a medical clinic and care for the people, you know, your people. And the sheikh says... Not only will can you, you know, will I give you permission, I will give you my house if, if you help my wife. My wife has had a series of miscarriages. She's pregnant again. If you will help her bring this baby to term in a healthy way, I'll give you my house. Now, it wasn't his main house. It happened to be a, another you know, like a guest yeah. house. Okay, whatever. Yeah, right. it's still a house. You know? And uh, so what happens? So they agree. Uh, the couple agrees. And they help the wife of the sheikh deliver this baby. It's a boy. You know, the, the father is so happy. The mother's so happy, of course, that they name him, of course, they're Muslims. They name him Muhammad. <laughs> Muhammad what? Muhammad bin, son of Zayed. Muhammad bin Zayed. <laughs> M-B-Z. This is the current president and supreme leader, the ruler of the UAE. Was this man here. was born with the help of American evangelical medical missionaries wow. who then recently accepted the gracious offer of the sheikh to give him the house and then started a clinic that turned into a hospital, which is now called 
they called it for years the Oasis, Oasis. Hospital because yeah. it just seemed like a yeah. good term. But after they passed away, MBZ renamed the hospital and every sign in the country, it's the most popular and important hospital in the country, the Kennedy Hospital. Yeah. Only because Kennedy. people don't know how to say Kennedy. Yeah. So they always called it Kennedy. And they would knock on the door, Kennedy, Kennedy, help me, help me. My wife, my daughter, my son, they need help. Kennedy. So that's what they call it. Wow. And we got to go. We did. And not only did we get to go and see it. Yeah. And the evangelical church that's connected to it. But we got to meet with uh, a friend of mine has become over a friend of over the time. The son, one of the sons of the Kennedys, Dr. Scott Kennedy, who uh, is a doctor today yeah. and flew specifically in to come and brief us and tell us this story. MBZ had told me this story before. His brother ABZ had told me this story before. That's why I put it in the book. But now here we were hearing it from yeah. a kid who grew up. Who grew up with NBC? They were like brothers, and now Amazing. one is a medical doctor, and one is the ruler of the UAE, yeah, he, signing he, peace with Israel. He like, talked about playing with here? toys and, and, yeah. and cars in their yard together. You rarely see. I have rarely seen in the history of the Muslim Middle East such affection for missionaries. Yeah, it's just not a thing you see. And yeah. and again, it speaks to people who love Jesus who are showing the love of Jesus, That's right. demonstrating the unconditional right. love for Jesus, right? The, the Kennedy family, of course, they all wanted everybody in that family and the whole country to know Jesus personally. But their goal was to show the love of Jesus and care and help whether people left Islam and became followers of Jesus or not. This right. was unconditional love. Yeah. And wow, you know, we would have been excited to hear that story Anyway, but when Muslim leaders themselves tell you the story and then you get to hear it from family members. And we literally said in that house yeah. that w they were given, yeah, that, they, that part of the hospital right. that has become basically built the reception a, area. A, section, a section over yeah. the original house. And we sat there and uh, it, was, it, it was amazing. It was very amazing. Not and, even enough time. We and, have to go back and just there's and again, more to that story. To talk about the incarnational love of Jesus, yeah. you know, that, that unconditional love that just came and... This is not the UAE of 2022. This is the UAE of 1961 without air conditioning, right. in 130 without degrees, roads. without they, roads. They, they, their, their, their Land Rover would get buried in sand, and they would have to get out and run. It was unbelievable. hot sand of 120 degrees. It was hot enough for us, and we were in air conditioning. Wow, it was really something. But, no running water, no oil, no <clears throat> wealth, no reason to be there, except you're compelled by the love of Christ to say, how can we be helpful? And that is quite a story. A story that makes the Crown Prince, now the president, NBC, emotional. I, I saw oh, him tears. well up with tears. Even when I shared with the foreign minister, Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed, I almost had forgotten we had such a wonderful 90 minutes with him. And I was like, oh, by the way, we started this morning um, <laughs> in that house in Alain, and he got misty. It means a lot to them. It sure does. And it's come to mean a lot to me. Yeah. Amazing, Joel. That's amazing. How can we be praying for the people of the UAE? Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's similar to what we talked about in Bahrain. We, we obviously want to pray for the believers there. Uh, again, we talk about 90% of the people that live in the UAE aren't UAE citizens. And, and I've ministered to a, a number of these communities. I've met with a lot of these expat Christian leaders. Wonderful, wonderful people. There's a lot of wonderful ministry going on. So we want to pray for that to continue. I mean, you have 700 churches. Many of them are healthy. I, you know, I don't know all of them, but uh, that's good. But it's such a base camp for other believers hmm. to come to it for conferences or retreats. So Bahrain is similar, but again, with 700, it's just amazing. So we pray for that continued light. Pray for safety, of course, for the Emiratis. They're facing not only the threat from the Iranian regime, 
But the Iranian regime has been using a terror group in Yemen called the Houthis to fire missiles into Abu Dhabi. We had people that were going to come on our delegation who then decided, you know what, maybe not so much right now, because as we were putting the trip together, missiles were, were being fired at Abu Dhabi. They do have some missile defenses. But uh, they need more. And that the relationship between the UAE and Israel will grow and strengthen. The UAE foreign minister, Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed, told us there are now 77 flights a week going back and forth between the UAE and Israel. The, the flight that we took from Abu Dhabi to Tel Aviv yeah. was a 787 Dreamliner jumbo jet, about <laughs> the biggest plane that the Americans build, and it was packed. Totally now, I'm not saying every flight is that, but it, it, as he told us, our governments are not mandating that these planes fly. <laughs> planes don't fly unless there's people who want to buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is free trade, what's mm-hmm. happening. And by the way, as you and I record this, just literally today, the UAE and Israel have signed the first ever Arab-Israeli free trade agreement. Wow, so That's amazing. Uh, we want to pray that continues. But also, of course, yeah. that everybody in the UAE hears the gospel of Jesus Christ and at least has a chance to consider the truth of the claims of Christ, uh, just like in Bahrain, just like here in Israel, just like everywhere. Yeah, it's like we're called to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we're called to pray for those that make peace with Jerusalem. Amen. So, amen. If you'd like to learn more about the Joshua Fund and what we do, go to our website at joshuafund.com, and there you'll learn more about the work we do in the Middle East to help bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus, and about all of the healing work we're doing across the region. And as always, check out our show notes for anything you heard on this podcast that you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter. calling my heart. Like, I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.